0: morning, Andrew and Leanne. Welcome. For those who don't know me, I'm Susan. Um, We've been uh, at NCR for about five years with my husband, Tim, who's a teacher at Antonio Park in Mitcham. And I work uh, with Corinne at Baptist Mission Australia. And we've got a primary school and high school age uh, child. And maybe about once a year, um, it's a pleasure for me to share a couple of thoughts with you. So we're talking this month about... Loud and how God got loud at Christmas. Last week, Yvonne shared with us the story of Zachariah. Uh, an angel met him and told him that his wife, who was well beyond childbearing years, would give birth to a son called John. It was a bit of a strange st- story. Zachariah doubted and was made mute for nine months. It was a weird story, but it was a bit of a loud story. And this week, the dial is turned up even more. God got louder. It was cranked up because we hear a story that has reverberated and echoed and been sung about and art made about it and movies made about it. um, And people have had their lives changed with this story that happened over 2,000 years ago. So, are we ready? If you want to follow along in the app, we're looking at Luke chapter 1. Though it is a story I think you might know, so um, yeah, see how you go. I'm a little bit frustrated with this author, Luke, because it's a really incredible story right in the centre of the Bible, um, incredible story of our faith, and it's about 10 verses long, and we don't get much detail, um, but we won't skip over it because it's incredibly important. So we're setting the scene, it's about six months after last week's story with uh, the angel appearing to Zechariah. Elizabeth's wife. Elizabeth's belly is swollen. She's in her third trimester. And we get to this story, you might know it well, so I've got some words on the screen. As I read it, you can speak out and fill in the blanks. We can imagine we're back in the, the kids' room. God sent an angel, Gabriel, good job, um, to a Galilean village called Nazareth, to a virgin called... Mary, who is engaged to be married to a man called Joseph, Joseph who is the descendant of David. David. Fantastic. So the place and the characters are set. And Mary is the focus of our time this morning. In that little video, Mary put the focus on Joseph, but we're really going to talk about her. Because is there something about Mary? Or maybe there's nothing about Mary. On this side of history, our ideas of Mary are shaped and informed and sometimes a little bit skewed and maybe distorted by some of these images that might be familiar for you and they might have some feelings that are evoked in you when you think of this character, Mary. Actually, we don't really know much about her. She was maybe 14, 15 years of age. My daughter's 14 next year and I can assure you that... um, much of what happened to her might have been well out of my daughter's comfort zone we know that mary lived in a town called nazareth listen to what some of the biblical scholars how that some of the biblical scholars describe her hometown it was the sticks that's a very technical term it was a backwater town a nothing place a completely insignificant dot in the world map There was no pedigree or important people that came from Nazareth. Luke even had to describe where it was. He said a town in Galilee, for those who didn't know. And later in the Bible, we heard someone, when they found out that Mary was from Nazareth, they said, can anything good come from Nazareth? So we've got this scene of an insignificant place and an insignificant person, a woman, a young woman, an unmarried young woman in those times that is a very insignificant person at the bottom of the pile of the social structure. And what we have here is this complete distortion, this mismatch, this um, juxtaposition or a contrast of this this insignificant place and person and the words that the angel Gabriel said to her. He said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Listen to what happens, What well, the authors of the message version, how they say it. Good morning. You are beautiful with God's beauty. You are beautiful inside and out. Can you imagine Mary hearing those words? Not working? Okay. All right. Is this better? Yeah. Sorry. So Mary was perplexed. I can't use both hands, Troy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mary was perplexed, we read, and even more accurate, she was greatly perplexed. Well, no wonder, wouldn't you be? Hearing those words, wondering, what kind of greeting is that? And why is that greeting directed at me? The story keeps going. You can fill in the blanks. The angel assured her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive... You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I can imagine there must have been a really long pause here, maybe for Mary's jaw to come up or maybe to get up from fainting. What a message. In the previous story, we heard about Elizabeth giving birth in her old age. And the wow factor is just cranked up a notch here because Mary is giving birth and she's a virgin. In the previous story, we heard about John being called great in the Lord's sight. In this story, it's cranked up even more that this son will be the son of God, the son of the Most High, the loud got louder. Gabriel claims that this child will be the Messiah, the king of the house of David. Long before this time, God had promised David, promised that David would have a descendant who would reign forever, not just over Israel, but over the whole world. So we've got two things happening here. A huge theological claim that this baby would be the son of God. And a huge political claim that this child would reign over all. All leaders of the world before and beyond, leaving them in the dust. So we put it all together. We've got this conception of a baby. We've got the power of God. And we've got a challenge to human. Empires. No wonder this message was so explosive. How does Mary respond? How will this be since I'm a virgin? Well, fair point, Mary. (laughs) It's kind of valid. She understands basic biology. She wants a little bit more information. If we contrast this to last week's story, Zachariah doubted. He was an old priest. He knew this kind of stuff. He doubted and was made mute, yet Mary just asked for some more details. And the angel just kept the good news coming. hear what the angel says next. How's it going to happen? Well, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of God will hover over. The, the power of the highest will hover over you. The child you bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. Adds a bit more information. Even Mary, your relative is going to give birth to a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive. She's in her six months. For no word from God will ever fail and nothing is impossible with God. So how will it happen, Mary? Well, the power of the Most High will hover over you. This is God's creative power, isn't it? Another example, the creator God who brought life out of nothingness at the beginning of the world. The creator God who made humans out of the dust is the same creator God who put human life into a young girl's womb. Then Mary has her moment A short sentence that has inspired and challenged and convicted millions of people throughout history. What does she say? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. That's it. (laughs) It's the end of the story. I am the Lord's servant. Humble submission. Willing obedience. Some describe it as heroism, which we saw a little bit of in the clip. She was engaged to Joseph, but back then, to break that engagement would be divorce. Or some might have assumed that she'd committed adultery, which back then, some may have even killed her for it. There was so much at risk for her. What of her reputation? What of Joseph's reputation, her family's, her livelihood, her security? But I am the Lord's servant. She responds and she she submits. Mary is an example of what happens when God is at work through human beings and there's God's power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and together things happen which might otherwise be unthinkable. God certainly got loud at that first Christmas. Christmas. So that's the story and in this series we are invited to consider how we might be inspired and informed and changed by this story and how we might dare to get a little bit louder in our walk with Jesus because it's absolutely true for Mary and it's true for so many people through scripture and so many people through history that God chooses ordinary, everyday, unlikely, normal people like me, maybe like you to be the recipients of God's invitation, an invitation to join in what God is doing in the world, the story of God in the hands of ordinary people. So we've got three words this morning, simple reflections on how we might draw what we might draw from Mary's encounter for ourselves, awestruck, available and active. We can only imagine that Mary would have been completely awestruck. This was beyond her understanding and beyond anyone's understanding. But somehow, this awe moved her to sub- surrender and submission, to trust and to faith. Now, not many people I know are greeted by angels as they're walking around Eastland or sitting in Zoom meetings, but are people aware of God's activity in their lives, and are they moved to awe and to surrender and to trust? Absolutely. How good is it when God's people describe their amazement, their awe, and their wonder of what King Jesus is doing in their lives? We hear about it in this place most Sundays. We hear about it when we chat with a friend over a coffee or have a beer with a friend and talk about it in life groups. We're surprised and excited when God answers our prayer. We might t- time, take the time to notice the small things. We might experience physical healing or restoration in relationships. We might marvel at creator God in nature. Andrew going to the beach, I bet that's the place that you are in awe of God. We might meditate on scripture. We might have moments when we're awoken by a dream or we feel a knot in our stomach or we feel unexpected tears in our eyes and we're wondering, Spirit, God, what are you saying to us? And we are in awe. So how does God gently or dramatically prompt you to awe and wonder? How does God gently or dramatically prompt you to awe and wonder? What ignites and facilitates the awe of God's presence in your life? And particularly at this time, with December around the corner, is there space, is there attentiveness in your life to be struck by the awe of God? For some people, Awe and wonder at Christmas time comes really easily. They set their tree up weeks ago. They've been playing Carol's playlist for ages. Maybe they put candles around their house and they tear up during the Qantas and telstrads of families reconnecting. Some people feel really close to King Jesus at this time of year. It is like the heart spiritual highlight of their calendar year if that is you fantastic you do you may this year be brilliant yet for many linking the awe of god and christmas might not come so naturally there's broken and fractured families people who feel more alone in the christmas season than any other time of year For me, one Christmas day when I was in my early 20s, my dad died. And then a few years later, my brother-in-law died close to Christmas, leaving behind my sister and my young niece and nephew. So as our family try to give the kids a joyous Christmas, there is a deep longing and grief that is absolutely connected to this time. For years I've joined the, or some years, I've joined the blue Christmas services where people gather together a week or so before Christmas and they express their grief and pain and loss and loneliness, heartbreak for themselves or their families, their communities, or for their world. A few weeks ago I was in Malawi in Africa and I was hearing and seeing the devastation that Cyclone Freddy happened uh, earlier in the year and a widespread cholera outbreak had impacted these already extremely vulnerable communities. Usually the hungry season, is what it's termed, begins around February each year where people have run out of food. This year it happened months ago. These families are eating the husks of the maize where they would normally eat the kernels to ground up for their staple diet. The husks are normally given to the animals. They're eating the husks in October. They are preparing for funeral after funeral after funeral instead of the festivities that we celebrate. Yet we overload our dinner plates and we contribute to the massive food waste at Christmas time along with all the plastic crap that's in landfill before Easter. The injustice of our world when we know there is enough to go around but it does not get around. And, of course, this year we continue to mourn Israel and Palestine, Myanmar, Russia, Ukraine, and those who are doing it tough in Melbourne. But what is amazing is that in the thick of our individual and collective pain and anguish and loneliness, we can still be deeply awestruck. Actually, sometimes it's those times where we hear God's voice the loudest. Awe struck by the God who chose to come into the mess, into the brokenness, into humanity and dwell among it, dwell among us. And chose to do that through a birth canal of a young woman in a nowhere town. This is the amazing thing about this incredible story. The ultimacy of God, the one who worked out where to put the planets and created everything, also can have intimacy with us. And there's nothing more intimate than the birth of a child. Ultimacy and intimacy coming together. That will surely prompt us to all, won't it? Secondly, available. Mary demonstrates that she knew her her physical limitations. She was a virgin, she was unmarried, she was a woman, and nobody in a nothing place. Yet she acknowledged God's greatness, let it be so. This would have required incredible humility, an openness, a posture of faith and availability. It is not that she was able, but that she was available. Mary responds to Gabriel, first, how can this be? And second, may your word be fulfilled. Or to put it another way, let it be with me. First, how can this be? Then let it be with me. I would love to know what happened to Mary in the pause between those two statements. Because I reckon for me, and maybe for some of us, we get stuck in that pause. We might know in our heads and read it in our scriptures and talk about it together that we are invited, we have God's gracious invitation to participate in what God is doing in the world. We know that it entails a countercultural life, we know that it entails sharing our faith making disciples of all nations, sharing our dining tables, advocating, caring for the poor, being good neighbours, giving generously, putting others first, living a life worthy of King Jesus. We know that stuff. Yet we get stuck. We go around and around. We get paralysed with the, how can this be? How can this be when there's plenty of other people that are better than me? How can this be when I feel so inadequate? How can this be when it'll cost me too much? How can this be when I know what others will think of me? How can this be when I lose my sense of control? How can this be when I just don't feel like it? What will it take to move from how can this be to something like Mary's faith-filled posture of let it be with me? What will it look like for you to have humility, openness, availability, and relying on God's strength, not our own? Do we dare to be available? What would it look like to amplify your availability to God's direction and leading? And finally, active. Mary was awestruck. She was available and this passage ends really quickly. Uh, The angel leaves her but we know what happened next. I've read the end of the book. (laughs) The baby is born. His name is Jesus. He is the son of God and Mary is not a passive recipient to this. Her bit's not done in that conversation. Even in that conversation she communicated with Gabriel. She asked questions. She sought understanding. Then she was an engaged mother. There's nothing more active and engaged by being a parent. She went through the pregnancy, the birth, the childhood, the adolescent and Jesus' short adult ministry. And she saw him beaten and nailed to a cross. This wasn't a sometimes when I feel like it one Sunday a month kind of activity. This is the whole of life. And we are invited to the same. Active engagement, being involved, being attentive, responding to this wonderful invitation that we have, not as guilt-ridden, heavy-burdened labourer people, but people who are in awe that the invitation is offered to us. And with our energy, with our time, And with incredible gratefulness as we began this service today, gratefulness that we are participants in this. Because this is God's all day, all night, all time, all history and all future, all people, all nations, all creations, worldwide activity that we are being invited into. We are born at a really fantastic time in history. Because we got to read about Jesus' friends and what they did and their adventurous life and some of their deaths. And then we get to read about the early church, the people that came after Jesus' time, about what they got up to. And then we've got over 2,000 years of stories and songs and images about all the women and men who have followed after being active in this journey. It's a really great time to be alive, Hey. You and me, we are part of this story. We are the continuation of the the Gabriel and then the Mary and then the baby Jesus story. As we play basketball in the prison or bake spuds for the community meals, as we help in the op shop, as we care for the elderly at Lion's Bray, as we meet with a friend to pray or talk to the lonely neighbour down the road. As we give to Ryan and Susie and what they're going to do in South Asia. As we act with integrity in our workplaces, as we parent our children, as we care for our parents. And a thousand other ways we get to be active in this story. What a privilege. come on. God got loud, very loud at Christmas. Mary got loud as she was awestruck. She was available and she was active. So our challenge today is to wonder which one of those dials might you turn up the volume? Can you leave here today saying, I'm going to turn up one volume, a tiny notch, as I participate in this story? Can you turn up the volume and say, God, I want to be more attentive to your presence and your activity in my life. I want to be awestruck by you. Pray for that. It will happen. Talk to people around you. It will happen. God, I want to make more space to be awestruck by you. Or perhaps... You want to turn up the volume by saying, God, I want to truly echo Mary's words. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me. You might gently say those words. I am the Lord's servant. May it be with me. I am the Lord's servant. May it be with me. I am the Lord's servant. May it be with me. I want to humbly and willingly submit myself my time, my energy, my life to you, God, I am available. It's daring, it's risky, but man, you're in for a ride. Or you might want to turn up the volume by saying, God, I do not want to be a passive bystander anymore. I've had enough of that. I want to accept your invitation to join in what you are doing in the world. Let's get loud. As our, as our response this morning.